When I walk through a jam No one knows who I am Put your head on my chest And I'm Mr. Success Mr. Success Never close Ms. Success Are you out there this morning? All at once I'm Good morning Welcome to the Inevitable Radio Show I'm your host William Sumner. We did the first four reasons why typically New Year's resolutions fail. First reason, made at the last minute. Second reason, no plan for really creating, focusing, and following through. And the third is you don't believe that you can have that. Either you're not capable or you cannot do that New Year's resolution. So whether you're focused on weight or smoking or money or debt or love or parenting, there's strategies as to why you stay there. Four was no follow-through. Five, no references or resources to assist you in the process. What does that mean? Well, obviously, if you don't put a plan together, you don't bother to figure out, well, what do I need to do to get this plan? Creating the references and resources comes at the conclusion of this incredible plan that you're going to put together. Think of the times that you've put New Year's resolutions together, and you don't have any plan. You don't have any references and resources. You don't have any incredible assists. Now, let's look at some of the things you do have, because we can find things that you've done really well. Your teenage child wants to get into college. Gosh, parents will kick it into gear. They'll study with the kid. They'll look at websites for loan packages. They'll make trips. They'll go talk to other people. They'll gather as much data and information. They'll get all the expert references so that their child will experience the beginning of their college career in the best possible fashion. Do they do that for themselves? 90% typically not. The sixth reason You're not emotionally attached to it. You're emotionally attached. You really care. It's important to you. You feel responsibility. You feel satisfaction when your child ends up in a great college. But your goals, your attachment to what it is that you say that you want for yourself, the people who fail at it, and again, when you look at the buildup of these reasons why, Well, why would you emotionally attach to a process that you made at the last minute? You didn't even create a plan so that it could be followed through and accomplished. You don't believe that you can do it. You don't create the accountability in the follow-through process. You don't get any expert references or resources to assist in the process. Why would you be emotionally attached to the success of this resolution? And again, think about the things that you do get emotionally attached to. So you set a goal, your family, your doctor, everybody's been bugging you to lose weight. You've been going for 10 or 15 or 20 years knowing you need to lose weight, really, as we've talked earlier, hanging on to the fact that, well, I'm not gaining too much weight, so I didn't put on too much pounds this past year. And all of a sudden, you have your physical, and you've now got diabetes, and it's a bad one, or you've got some other blood disease. Or liver markers come back, and your liver is like the doctor goes, oh, my God, you know, we need tests, we need follow-up, we need MRIs, we need CAT scans, PET scans, your liver shot, something is physically wrong. 
oh, guess what happens? Oh, those people think they're going to change. Those people say, oh, I'm going to lose weight. I'm going to focus on, I'm really going to get serious. Because the emotional attachment is now, I don't want to die. That's when you stop smoking. People who tell me they can't stop smoking. Oh, I've tried, I've tried it so hard. Oh, it's an addiction. Oh, it's terrible. One of the hardest addictions. Oh, they know about the chemical addictive power of smoking. That's part of their research. Oh, it's very addicting. You know what's really fascinating? I always ask every smoker. Can't quit? No, can't quit. Can't? No, I've tried. What are you going to change in the future? Well, somehow I'm going to figure it out in the future. I just can't do it now. I always ask this question. What happens when a woman who cannot quit, 99% of the time, there's a few exceptions, but virtually all women, when that little stick turns color and they're pregnant, they always stop smoking, at least for nine months. They may start again afterwards, so we know the neural strategies that are involved that are supporting and creating the smoking process are still alive and well. But, oh, we know they can quit, and we know they can quit instantly. Why? Are they smarter than other people? Are they more powerful than other people? Are they greater than other people? Or did the emotional attachment that means everything to them in their life, means actually even more to them than their life itself, did they just have a massive shift in what they emotionally attach to? You betcha. They are more focused. They will do more for that fetus. They will do more for their baby than they'll ever do for themselves. So when you're sitting there saying, I can't do this New Year's resolution, think about if your life or your child's life hung in the balance. What's the emotional leverage for you on this? And for the people that say they want to lose 20 pounds or they're ready to do this or they're going to stop that or they're going to start something... They're not emotionally attached to it. It doesn't really mean anything to them. That's why it keeps appearing typically year after year. So you're going to focus on, can I create an emotional attachment to the new process? And the answer is absolutely. And we're going to talk about how to do that. Reason number seven, they lack clarity. The goal isn't specific and concise, so people say things like, well, I want to improve my health. Yeah, what does that mean? How does your brain tomorrow morning when you wake up on January 1st and you want to improve your health, what does that mean? I want to, I want to improve my marriage. Oh, oh, okay, how? What? Have a date night? Well, that's different. Lose 20 pounds? That's different. Eat... You know, 2,000 healthy calories a day, that's different. Most people's New Year's resolutions are not very concise. They're not clear. You don't know how to do it. And again, this whole pattern, and we talk a lot on this show about patterns, this whole pattern for failure, which is what most people do in their New Year's process for resolutions, or patterns for failures, all of these things line up, and we can go through the first six. Because when they're made at last minute, you don't care, you're not emotionally attached, there's no plan, no resources, no accountability. Yeah, why would you create 
something that has great clarity. You wouldn't. You'd make it vague. Most people, when I ask the question, why do studies and research show why people create vagueness? And they go, oh, well, um, so that they can succeed. And the answer is no. (laughs) Sadly, most people do it so they can beat themselves up more. So even if they do improve their marriage this year or they do improve their health, whatever it is that they do, because it's not clear and it's not certain, it's not measurable, they did two, they'll beat themselves up. I should have done four. If they did 10, they'll beat themselves up. I should have done 12. They do 25, they'll beat themselves up. I should have done 30. Most people do this as part of their failure strategies. Why would anybody plan to fail at New Year's resolutions? You're listening to the inevitable radio show. Lovers, they may cause you tears. Go ahead, release your fears. Stand up and be counted. Don't be ashamed to cry. You gotta be, you gotta be bad. You gotta be bold. You gotta be wiser. You gotta be hard. You gotta be tough. You gotta be stronger. Thank you for listening to the Inevitable Podcast. Please visit our website for more information on this extraordinary coaching system at www.theinevitableu.com. Then sign up for your two-week free trial of our membership to gain access to hundreds of hours of amazing content and tools just like this. Now, back to Bill. Welcome back. You are listening to the Inevitable Radio Show. I am Bill Sumner, your host. The science of how we create goals how we create the planning process, how we ultimately plan for our success, or as we talk many, many times on this show, how most people ultimately plan to fail. It's a science. It's strategies. You can learn this. You can do this differently. You can create incredible, powerful, amazing. And I know I use those big hyperboles, those big superlatives, all the time, show in, show out, but it's real. These lives that listen and change their neural strategies and recipes are people that will create incredible momentum and power for themselves. One article that I share a lot with my clients early in my work, and you can go Google this. It was a Fast Time article probably about three or four years ago. The title of the article is Change or Die. And it begins with this question. How many people, when faced with certain death, certain death, and they believe it, they're convinced of it. I'm going to tell you why in a second. When faced with certain death, and the only thing that you need to do to avoid death is make not minor modifications, but some modifications in in how you're living. You know, change your diet, some. Change your exercise pattern, some. Change your stress patterns, some. And if you don't, you will certainly die. When faced with that proposition, what's the percentage of people that will change? Now, most people, when they hear the question, generally guess a high percentage. Some people realize I'm asking the question. They'll guess, well, that's a trick question. We'll go low. But most people generally believe high. Like most people, yeah, if they're faced with death, they'll probably make some changes. They'll quit smoking. They'll stop overeating. They'll do some. They'll exercise a little bit more. 
Here's the study. It was based on thousands of coronary bypass patients, and these are people that have come into the Western medicine world. They need a coronary double, triple, quadruple bypass. And they're told, studies show that if you're back here within two years, the likelihood that you're going to survive past a handful of years after your second one is very low. So we don't want to see you back here. You need to figure this out. Here's a lot of material. Read this stuff. Do this stuff. Change your diet. Change how you exercise. Change how you deal with stress. They'll give them some minimal psychological support because they believe that, well, certainly when faced with death, people will change. Well, you hear me use the percentage all the time, and there's a reason why I use it. I'm not making it up. It's not an exaggeration. It's 90 10. 90% of the planet thinks, acts, feels, believes, and creates reality in a certain pattern, and 10% of it does it another way. And that 10% has virtually everything. All the love, all the happiness, all the joy, all the money on the planet lies with virtually 10% of the population. And the other 90% struggles to survive. And it's not because they're bad or they're stupid. It's because the strategies they use, the things they've been taught in life, the things that they continue to hang on to believe about who they are, why they are, what they are, how they are, are not very good strategies. 90% of people, when faced with death, will not change. 90% return within two years for another bypass surgery. Now, one doctor, Dr. Dean Ornish, had incredible success rates. 77% of his patients did not return. 77% of his patients succeeded at change. And you got to ask yourself the question, why? So they studied Dr. Ornish and his process. And golly jeepers, wouldn't you know, it's very much in alignment with everything that we talk about on the Inevitable Radio Show week in and week out. I like it because the third reason of the top three reasons is he makes every one of his clients, his patients, get a coach. Coaching is critical to the process, and the success of an individual and a team gets somebody who holds you accountable, whether it's a personal trainer, whether it's a business coach, get a coach. The most successful people on the planet have coaches. Think about that. The most successful people on the planet have coaches. Find a coach that fits with your mentality, your spirituality, your budget, your outcomes, what you're focused on in life. Most people believe that incremental change is the best way to change something as a process. So we tell ourselves, oh, well, don't do massive radical change. That's too hard. Take Baby steps, take incremental steps, step one, step two, step three, and create this trajectory to this great massive radical change that you want. Well, guess what? Massive radical change is the best and easiest way for your brain to change. When you focus on massive and radical change, 
Well, the problem with incremental small changes, you're making changes. So whether it's calorie deprivations or forcing yourself to go exercise, but it's so small that there's not much progress against it. One of the counterintuitive psychological moments for most people is, well, gosh, I'm really depriving myself. I'm really focused on, I'm making the sacrifice to do 20 minutes of exercise every day. Yeah, what's my success? I lost one pound. I'm doing all this psychological pain for one pound. It's, it's, I'm just not meant to change. People don't believe they can do it. So psychologically, you must make massive radical change everything at once. Turn your life upside down. Throw everything out you don't want. Bring everything in that you do want as step one. Create massive radical change. Because even if you screw it up and you only make 50% progress, think about what that is compared. 50% progress compared on a massive radical scale to incremental small that's 100% perfect. The massive radical screw-up will always have significant gains. And so you have the psychological hope that the sacrifices you're making, the changes you're making, are worth it. Step two in Dr. Ornish's regime. He made everyone sign a contract that said, for the first year after their surgery, they would attend twice-weekly group support sessions. It's a massive support system. And step three was get a coach. And his patients had a 77 success rate on not returning for a coronary bypass. Their health shifted. They became healthy. They did not need another surgery. Everybody else, 90%, following just standard practices and procedures in the Western medical system returned within two years for their next bypass. I don't know about you. That's profoundly sad to me. We are here. The inevitable radio show is here to support you, your success, your outcomes, your future, because you are powerful, amazing, incredible. Thank you for listening to the Inevitable Podcast. Please visit our website for more information on this extraordinary coaching system at www.theinevitableu.com. Then sign up for your two-week free trial of our membership to gain access to hundreds of hours of amazing content and tools just like this.